0: Welcome to the Tsai Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by Sub China. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Tsai China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Saiyan Global Reporters and Editors. I'm Kaiser Kuo from the Seneca Podcast.
1: And I'm Ada Shen in Paris.
0: Beijing seeks tech independence. The trade war confounds, and China's 2020 GDP forecast looks grim. Here's your news.
1: Trade board waters got muddier during the week as U.S. President Donald Trump sent mixed signals while attending a NATO conference in London. On Tuesday, the president said he liked the idea of waiting until after the U.S. election to strike a deal with Beijing, after which the Dow Jones industrial average plummeted 400 points. The next day, he changed tone and said talks were going well. Anonymous reports soon emerged saying a phase one deal would be struck soon. December 15th is the deadline the U.S. has set to apply 15% tariffs on 150 billion U.S. dollars worth of Chinese goods. If that happens, nearly all Chinese exports to the United States would face taxation.
0: China's economic growth could drop below 6% next year for the first time since 1990, as the world's second largest economy continues to be affected by the trade war with the U.S. and cooling infrastructure investments. Real GDP is set to increase by just 5.7% in 2020, according to economists at UBS. That compares with an estimated 6.1% in 2019 and would mark the third straight annual slowdown. China's GDP growth slipped to 6.6% in 2018 from 6.8% the previous year. Economic growth is being dragged down partly by slowing domestic demand, fueled by a slump in investment, and partly by the trade dispute with the U.S., which has led to a significant decline in exports to what was previously China's biggest overseas market.
1: Specifically, bilateral trade continued its slide in October as United States' imports of goods from China fell to a fresh three-year low amid prolonged talks on a trade deal between the two largest economies. Merchandise imports from China declined 4.8 percent from September, while exports tumbled 17 percent, the least in almost a year. The gap narrowed to a seven-month low. Fluctuating trade policy and the surrounding uncertainty have depressed overall trade with China this year. While trade with China has lagged, the U.S. import of goods from the European Union rose to a record high, and purchases from Russia hit a five-year high
0: gas began to flow last week through the first part of the pipeline connecting the gas fields of Siberia to eastern China in a project which by 2024 will carry some 38 billion cubic meters of the fossil fuel into the country. By then, the pipeline, which completed its first phase ahead of a launch ceremony, will stretch 5,000 miles from Irkutsk in Siberia's east all the way to Shanghai. The project, which has significant geopolitical implications, comes as Russia increases energy exports to the world's largest gas importer amid Western financial sanctions and, as Chinese central planners, continue to aggressively promote a switch from coal to cleaner-burning natural gas to help ease some of the nation's air pollution.
1: A state-backed memory chip maker signed deals with a Canadian patent licensing company that will give China access to the technology it needs to produce the widely used chips domestically. Changxin Memory signed two agreements with Quarterhill related to DRAM technologies developed by chip designer Infineon. China still mostly relies on overseas companies for its supply of the two major types of memory chips. Changxin's patent acquisition from a Western company comes as such acquisitions by Chinese companies have been increasingly pushed back against by patent holders and regulators amid widespread worries about intellectual property theft.
0: A former graft buster is under investigation by China's top anti-corruption agency, The Central Commission for Discipline Inspection announced that Wang Limin, a deputy head of the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences Institute of Finance and Banking, is under investigation for alleged serious violations of Communist Party discipline and law, which usually means corruption. Wang, who worked for the disciplinary inspector years ago, is also the party secretary of the institute at the high-profile state-backed think tank. His name and bio have been removed from the institute's management team webpage. In recent years, China has conducted a sweeping government campaign to combat corruption in almost all industries, toppling a string of government officials and company executives from their lofty positions.
1: Chinese tech giant ZTE has bolstered its 5G credentials with the establishment of a partnership with state-owned plane maker Comac. The tie-up will allow ZTE to apply its next-generation communications technologies to projects involving China's self-developed aircraft models. One initiative involves the rollout of in-flight internet services backed by ZTE's air-to-ground technology, in which land-based telecom stations send signals establishing broadband connections in planes while they are in mid-air. ZTE entered the sector in 2009 and currently provides 4G in-flight services.
0: Thanks, Ada. Let's turn out to Tyson Global Managing Editor Doug Young to chat about some of the bigger stories in the news this week. Doug, let's do a roundup this week of all the big Huawei-related news because there's quite a bit of
2: it this week, yeah? Yeah, sure. Let's start off with uh, it it has been an eventful week for Huawei, Uh, most of it not particularly good, which seems to be the story for Huawei, but then... The last little tidbit shows Huawei is is you know gonna not gonna just take all this stuff uh, sitting down. The the big story is of course that Huawei has sort of been under constant assault by the U.S. Well, for most of this year since around May uh, when they were put on this entity list and they weren't allowed to buy any parts from the U.S. and and the U.S. alleges that Huawei is a branch of the Chinese government or you know, has close ties to the Chinese government and its equipment could be used for spying and so forth. So the news that happened this week, the the first big bit was that uh, it looks like, at least media were reporting, that U.S. is going to essentially ban Huawei from... They're already banned from selling their equipment to the U.S., but now they're going to be banned as well from using the U.S. financial system which you know is a pretty big deal um they actually don't do that much business so
0: this is actually a revived threat that the administration had mentioned some time ago so really briefly
2: what would this actually entail yeah this would basically i mean uh, the us financial system is is obviously one of the world's biggest uh you know a lot of the biggest financial institutions are based in the us uh certainly lots of transactions go through the US. Uh, so even if you're, say, buying or selling equipment to someone in Europe, it might get cleared through a US bank, could get cleared through the European, US branch of a European bank or so forth. But a, a lot of financial transactions do go through the US. And this is actually one thing that the US has been using to really hit Russia is is uh, not the, U- the US and Europe, because so many transactions are denominated in dollars and euros and go through, you know, these, these big global financial institutions, which are fairly well run, you know, unlike other places and other countries. So, you know, cutting somebody off from the U.S. financial system could have a, a pretty big impact on them, probably not huge. Okay, so that's story one. What's story two? So story two is uh, here on the home front, actually. It's it's a, a former Huawei employee, a guy named Li Hongyuan. This has been making a lot of headlines here in China because uh, apparently Li has been going a bit on the uh, aggressive. But he is a former employee of Huawei. I believe he's 42 years old. And essentially, it sounds like he was fired from Huawei in the end of 2018. And, you know, as often happens in these unhappy divorces, he alleged that they owed him money, uh, apparently related to some bonuses that he was owed. Huawei said, oh, poor performance doesn't get a bonus. And so he was going after them. And then Huawei fired back by accusing him of extortion. And then, In the end, he ended up getting arrested in Shenzhen, in Huawei's hometown of Shenzhen. Uh, And apparently Huawei had told the police he was going to say something accusing the company of illegal behavior. It it was all very messy, but it it essentially looks like a, a messy divorce between an employee and Huawei. But how many messy divorces end up with the employee in prison? And, and apparently this guy spent more than 200 days in prison, sort of rotting away before the Chinese court system essentially threw out the case and, and said there was insufficient evidence. So, of course, Huawei comes out looking a little bit shady in this whole deal. And, uh, you know, the guy is, is pursuing more cases against Huawei. He's certainly going public. With this case and and Huawei's putting out its word, but you know, for a company that was trying to portray itself as a victim and you know hapless and all this and that, it certainly isn't the best publicity for Huawei.
0: Great, and there is a third piece to complete the Huawei trifecta—a
2: uh, newer story, right? Yeah, the, and the final story is sort of Huawei. So first we have Huawei the victim, then we have. Huawei the sort of aggressor. And then this last story is is sort of more of Huawei fights back. Uh, and that story uh, just happened towards the end of the week. Um, this one saw Huawei basically suing uh, the U.S. Federal Communications Commission, which is the telecoms regulator in the U.S., The whole story goes back to the FCC has banned, I mean, the U.S. has banned Huawei telecom equipment informally, but the FCC actually banned them in policy, like in, in real written policy, from selling equipment to these rural networks, because the rural networks in the U.S., a lot of them get government support because most of the telecoms companies, most of the carriers, wouldn't build networks out in these remote areas just because, you know, it's not commercially viable. So the government has a support program and basically the FCC said, well, if we're going to be providing government support, any program or any network that gets any of the support can't buy Huawei equipment. And uh, Huawei is suing, saying essentially that that the FCC has no grounds for doing this, uh, which it'll be interesting to see what happens with this. I, I personally think this is probably a bit of a publicity stunt by Huawei the lawsuit will probably not go anywhere and and quietly die, but of course, nobody follows these things through uh, and and you know it, it's also quite possible um, that Huawei might get included when if and when the us and China finally reach a trade deal that a lot of this Huawei stuff could get resolved at that point. although this particular one is is interesting because it it really does involve sort of national security in the sense that you know the u s is saying. We don't want Huawei equipment in our networks, which is one thing, and that's been going on for a while. The thing that is more likely to get resolved in the trade deal would be Huawei getting banned from buying any components from U.S. suppliers. It's, it's two different things. Well, this year
0: has certainly been full of Huawei news. We will check back in with you to see how all this shakes out.
2: Okay. Thanks, Kaiser.
0: Thank you, Doug. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Sinica Business Brief is powered by Sup China and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Be sure to check out all the other shows about contemporary China in the expanding Sinica network. And be sure to follow the news from China every day at Sup China. Subscribe to our newsletter at SupChina.com. Take care.